when you want something, you have to use whatever you have to show people that, hey, I mean it. This is what I wanted to do. It's not about what you have, but the small thing that you have as individual, if you can use it for the good. Glaze and Grit is a podcast where honest and real conversations are front and center. A conversation where Fargo-Moorhead area business owners, thought leaders, advocates, and visionaries share their lessons learned and provide a fresh perspective to better inform and support you in your journey. It's about sharing the real story to inspire, lead, and encourage, all right here in my backyard of Fargo, North Dakota. It all starts with a conversation, an honest one. I'm Jessie Winnerovich, and this is Glaze and Grit. My next guest is a fearless community leader, activist, and visionary. She is the founder of Condale Kale International, a nonprofit focused on improving lives through education and community outreach efforts. She envisions a world where everyone has the opportunity to learn and be empowered, especially in her hometown of South Sudan, where illiteracy affects over 70% of women and girls. She is also an organizer of International Women's Day for Fargo-Moorhead. Her journey of fleeing war, escaping to a refugee camp, coming to the United States as a young child unable to speak English, to now earning her master's degree is an inspiring and heart-wrenching story of strength, resilience, and determination. It is women like her who truly make our community and world a better place. Here's Namal Day. Thank you so much for coming on. I know you are an incredibly busy woman and I appreciate you swinging on. So thank you. Thank you for having me, Jesse. I really appreciate it. I'm honored to be here today. I want to touch on this first because I find this super exciting. Um, you earned the ambassador award for Every Girl Wins. And I would yes. love to connect and learn more about this national honor. <laughs> So Every Girl Win Day is um, is an international organization. I have an opportunities being in the U.S., you know, to use it as a platform to empower women, uh, especially like myself, like an individual like myself. You know, I came to this country when I was only probably 11 to 12 years old in 1995 and landed in San Diego, California. And I didn't speak English. I didn't know how, I just said, hi, or hello, how are you doing? Not even saying hello, how are you doing either? I think <laughs> I think they came, they came in a month later, you know? Mm-hmm. And, um, and then from there, and I realized that this is a platform that I can use to empower women, especially from South Sudan. Mm-hmm. Um, South Sudan is known as one of the illiterate country in the world that women, 85% of them do not know how to write or read. So, and most of these young women and girls are married like early age. I go head to head with our country men, you know, the fact that, you know, they marry a young girl at, at age of 14. Um, I had my cousin, my little cousin, she got pregnant age of 13. They literally called me about it. I said, no, I'm going to put that man to jail. And I, I did. I went off. <laughs> And I did. I was not joking. When they called me and said, oh, your niece has been pregnant. I said, who did? I put in my phone call for people that who work with the United Nation and UNICEF. They went, got the family and put the dad and the whole family into jail. They're like, who did this? Your mom did. 
<laughs> I was not joking because I see that this is ridiculous. You know, they shouldn't be doing that. Yeah. And then on top of that, you know, I knew the international law very well and, and the refugees law because living in a refugees camp, they are using international law, meaning like United States, United Kingdom and all of that. So they're using those laws. So once you pregnant a, under a teenager, you can be in jail for 10 to 15 years to 20 years. Um, so I find that one out. So, and then, uh, they stole her, you know, from, from me after they find out, you know, the, the boys steal the girls, you know, like enlobe her and take her all the way to the village, to the rural area. So they can't find her. It was a tough one. I can tell you that it was not an easy decision for me. Even right now, I put, I put my life in danger because of it, you know, because I advocate for that. And that's why, you know, um, every girl win day is very important for me to be the, you know, the ambassador of it and is is an institute, you know, it's, it's huge in, in woman empowerment, educating girls and to make sure that, you know, they, they fulfill their full potentials. And that's exactly where I wanted to be. Very neat. Well, congratulations. Thank you. So you're originally from South Sudan. How long have you been in Fargo? I know you went to NDSU. Yes, I, I went to NDSU. Um, and I've been living in Fargo for 14 years now because I have a daughter. I don't know if you knew that. But yes, so I've been here for 13 going to 14 years. I will say since she's going to, we've been to Fargo since she was seven months. I started going to school when I was like, um, I started in seventh grade. I didn't know how to write or speak. So I had to work my way up. And the fact that, you know, I'll be graduating in June for my master in public health, it's like, what? <laughs> the journey itself is very struggle. I mean, it's, it's struggles, but at the same time, you know, it's, it can be a rewarding in the end. You know, it's, it's more of you not giving up on what you're looking for in life. Mm-hmm. You know, it's all about taking those small steps to accomplish what you want, you know, because those steps is the one that you can actually see your future leading towards or what you want in life. And that's how I see it. I see it as I, I have been given a gift that I want to share with my communities, not only in North Dakota, but around the world. You know, I might not be the best out there, but I know that I have that heart of helping other if I have the tool to do so. When you want something, you have to use whatever you have to show people that, hey, I mean it. This is what I wanted to do. It's not about what you have, but the small thing that you have as individual, if you can use it for the good. And that's how I look at it. So even though I might not have the whole world in my hand, but the small thing that I have, as long as I can share it and and make somebody else smile, that's okay with me. Oh, and you have been doing such an amazing job sharing and advocating. Truly kudos to you because you are out there involved in our community and advocating and it's incredibly inspiring. So thank you. We cannot only learn within those certain people that we choose each and every day, but there's a world that we need to be able to open our eye and see that, you know, there are potential, how we can be empowered by those others and see, you know, what else can we be able to change in those aspects, you know, or in those fields or in those uh, community leaders. And if you do that, you can empower more people because the more we learn from different 
different people, the better. So you're not only shunning one in one idea or in one place. Oh, this is the only thing that I can learn here. But the wool is still big. Why are we not exploring it? Mm-hmm. So let's talk about Condell International. So yes. formerly South Sudan Reads, you recently changed the name. Do you want to talk a little bit more about that? <laughs> you kind of saw that too. Uh, yes. Yeah, so it did not change very much. It's just that we we break it down in, in a way that more people can read it a bit more instead of just one word. For me, as I put my mind into it, I said, it doesn't matter how long it takes, as long as I don't give up. That's what it's about. It's not about starting something and say, I want to get something out of it right away, because that's impossible. For mm-hmm. some people, that's what they want to build the organization on. But for me, that's not how I want to build this organization. I want to build this organization in a way that in a in, in back of my mind, I want it to be here for generation and generation to come. So when it comes to changing the organization name to Conkel, it came to the point where I'm from South Sudan. And the fact that, you know, there is a country called South Sudan, I realized that, you know, I can have a conflict with the government of South Sudan. So I have to think ahead to make sure that I'm doing it the right way and to not to have a conflict with, with the government in the mm-hmm. long run. And before with South Sudan read, it's only geared toward South Sudanese women and South Sudanese in general. But for me, as I see myself, I'm not only a South Sudanese, I'm also American. And being an American, we are diverse. We cannot single couple of group out and say, oh, this organization is only geared toward these people. That's not who I am. I love every bit of our, our diversity here in Fargo community. And I don't care you're white, you're black, whatever color you are, you're welcome in this organization. And then also to the name Conkel, it means together or togetherness in my mother tongue. As a child growing up, my mom always say, you know, your strength is for you to be together with people. When I change the organization name, it's more toward gear toward my mom because I want to carry my mom's legacy. As a child, I left uh, South Sudan, haven't seen my mom since I was six years old. Mm. And um, the last time that I saw her was just fixing her gravesite in Gambela. Mm. Um, I had three brothers that died. They all died in, in, uh, in Ethiopia doing the war with, with Sudan and Southern Sudan. So I'm the only child left. And I don't have no brother or sister. This is their legacy. So my organization, I'm not doing it just because there's something that I want from it. It's because I want to, I want my family legacy to carry on. My brothers, Kun Chual and Duol, and my mother, Martha. She loved people before, before her life ended with malaria and typhoid. Um, she gathered people in Gambela, Ethiopia. She will gather women and children, especially those women and children that their mom, those children that their dad has been killing the war and the women are, or don't have husbands. So whenever I send her money, so she will, she will disperse her money, the money that I sent her and give them to 
orphanage children and the women's. So um, that's one of the reasons why her legacy is part of this, because without her strengths or hearing just talking to her, the thing that she was doing on the ground, I am entitled to carry on her legacy. How did you come from leaving South Sudan and then to California? What was that? You can talk about your childhood a bit. Um, what did that journey look like? Well, my childhood is, is a bit different because because when the war broke out, it really scattered us everywhere. My mom was not there. She left. And then my dad was in the war because my dad, he's a he's a veteran. And then I, I was staying with my stepmom. You know, when the war broke out as a child, I went to a different a different state. And you can see that the war was getting a bit bigger. People are running away. And then uh, and then my dad met us on the way, you know, where we stopped. And then my aunt somehow found me and my uncles. And then we met somewhere. I don't know the name of them. Do not ask me because <laughs> it's been almost 20 something years. We walked by foot, you know, running away from the war zone. And then we come back through Ethiopia, come toward from South Sudan to, to Ethiopia. And then we met with a group of robbery and they, um, they shoot up on us. And then my uncle got shot on the back, but somehow it did not, the, the bullet went through the backpack. It actually went through the Bible. So that's how my, my uncle survived that yeah. uh, attack. Um, and then, uh, then we ran and then we came all the way through Ethiopia. Uh, once we, uh, when we came into Ethiopia, um, the Ethiopian government do not like people to, to leave. They want you to go back into South Sudan. And then from there at night, there was this guy. He's a doctor. He's Ethiopian, but he's a South Sudanese. And then we tackled through Gambela and then came uh, toward Addis Ababa. And then from Addis Ababa, I believe that's where we find that man. He's one of the doctors, but he passed right now. And then he helped us at night. So he literally sneaked us out to the border of Kenya and Ethiopia. So at that night, you know, walking on the muddy, rainy, with all the lions and, and an alligator, because they have good alligator that can eat people. And then somehow, you know, we made it uh, to the other side of, uh, of Ethiopia. And so we came in to meet with a couple of people, you know, like, you know, like the dumpster trucks, you know, like where they put in a lot of stuff. So whatever money that you have, you know, and then they can put, uh, you can give it to them. And then they sneak you through the, toward the border into Kenya. So, and then they pack us in. Then from there, that's how we got in, into Kenya. I'm one of those lucky pe- few that who can, who made it through. And then we came to a refugees camp called Ipo. Ipo is the largest refugees camp within Kenya. So, and, and then we came to that refugees camp. And then from the refugees camp, my uncle actually came here in the United States in 1994. So my uncle sent in a, a, a form for us, but the form was only his sister in there because he didn't know that she brought us with her. Mm. So that's where the problem was. So we couldn't come to U.S. until one of the aid worker from U.S. who was there, she said, nope, you cannot leave these kids here. We might well just, we'll, we'll just give you a new form because we don't want you to leave these kids. Mm. So that aid worker is the one that saved us. Even when I came to U.S., I came in with my name and my real name, my last name. 
So and then from there, it did not take us a long time, to be honest with you, to come to U.S. A lot of refugees really suffer. They sat there for a long time. I think we only take about a year in the refugees camp, to be honest. And I was, I was doing it's 10 years is the average number of years one spends. Oh, it's, they've been more than that. A lot of South Sudanese right now, they've been they were born there. They married there. They got grandkids there. They oh, still wow. are. Yeah, they still are. So and then from September of 1995, I landed in San Diego, California. I was one of those kids, you know, who didn't speak no English, um, learn it in, in a month. So that's that's one of one of those few when I said education is very important to me. It is very important to me. Sure. Um, so that's how I end up in in California. And then from California, there was a incident that happened um, when I was young. You know, so it led me to to Georgia, where my uncle was. So in Georgia, that's where I I graduated my high school. As a person of, uh, I'm a first generation. So I'm the first one who ever graduated in high school in my family. I'm the first one who graduated college for the women in my family. Wow. And now I would be the first woman <laughs> to graduate a master, uh, a higher level in my family too as well. Wow. So, so much accomplishments. <laughs> yes. So to me is, this is big. This is huge for me. I'm not trying to say, oh, I'm better than anyone. I will never say it. I'm better than anyone. No, because I'm here because of people like you, just um, people like Dr. White, uh, Christy, that I watch every morning with coffee, people that who support me, Mariah, Jessica, my, my, my good friend, Nyokong, and the rest of my family, that some of them I don't even know as, even as we speak. <laughs> But I have so many supporters that I feel like it's not good to leave them out. Um, it's always great to say thank you to those who supported you. Nimal, thank you so much for sharing your journey and that part of your life with me and our listeners. It's truly a testimony to you and speaks so much to your determination to make our community and world a better place by all that you have gone through. And it truly shows through the work that you do serving in our community. Thank you. I know we are close to being out of time here. And as we wrap up, I want to be sensitive to that. So to conclude, what is something you think everyone should do at least once in their life? To me is, I will say travel. Travel the world, travel the world. Because when you travel, you will see the world very different. You know, and then you will change your perspective about the way that you see things. Because they say that one story is not the whole things. But when you see the whole picture and the, all the different story, then you can decide who you can become. Because once you explore the world, you see your full potential. You will see where your weaknesses, you will see where your strengths are. You will see that, you know, even people that you do not know, you can connect with it. And that's what you call, a lot of people are trying to gear away from it, but diversity that's when you diversity, you diversify your perspective and see the world different. And you don't have to travel all over the world. You have the diversity within your community. Use those people. Learn, ask questions. Yeah. I'm not seeing the world in, in one lens. I see the world in different lens. All right. One final question. Sure. Who inspires you? 
my mom. My mom inspired me. She inspired me to be who I am, to be where I'm at today. Is the reason why I haven't given up. I would because there's a lot of things that happened in my life. Everything that I've been through, from being mistreated as a child to be where I'm at today, it's um. I I don't even have a word for it. I just wanted to do my part each and every day, and not to give up. Even when our our community is a bit different, see the world differently, but I always prayed, you know, there will be those day, they will see the world difference. It's not going to be only one lens. Mal, is there anything else you'd like to add? So the only thing that I would like to add is that is International Women Day is coming up pretty soon in March. We are doing it, and it's definitely going to be in the Zoom. <laughs> <laughs> it's going to be Zoom because of the COVID and just check out our our um, our Facebook page. But please believe in me, <laughs> believe in your friends and know that, you know, once we work together, so many things can be accomplished in our communities. Mm, thank so you. That's what I wanted to add. Just go to our Facebook page, share our Facebook page, invite your friends. And let's change the world together, one act of random kindness at a time. Beautiful. I love that. Thank you so much for coming on and being with me. I really appreciate it. I appreciate it too, Jesse. I'm honored to be here and I'm grateful. So thank you for having me. Hey, thanks so much for listening in today. If you would like to learn more about Numal Day, check out the show notes on glazinggridpodcast.com. Also, if you enjoyed this episode, please let us know by subscribing, rating, and sharing. Thank you so much for listening. I'm Jessie Winneravage. Talk to you soon.